This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest, and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest hosts and presenters, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Good morning and welcome. It is Saturday morning. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're delighted to be joined by a principal leader, a tireless warrior for freedom, Governor Phil Bryant, a distinguished guest host of America's Roundtable. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. And before becoming the state's chief executive, Phil Bryant was lieutenant governor, state auditor, and represented his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives. Governor Phil Bryant began his career as a deputy sheriff in Hines County and is a great proponent in strengthening America's constitutional principles, the rule of law, and advancing the importance of law and order, protecting our fellow citizens and private property. And on this note, good morning, Governor Phil Bryant. (laughs) Welcome, Governor Bryant. Good morning, Joel. It's great to be back. Natasha, it's been too long. Uh, We've all been very busy with uh, jobs and family and wonderful things that are going on, but it's great to be back on Saturday morning with America's Roundtable. I hope all America is listening today. Thank you so much for joining us again, Governor Bryant. Uh, Governor Bryant, uh, U.S. inflation accelerated to 7.5% in January, which was the highest inflation in the last 40 years. The U.S. Labor Department data, which compared the consumer prices of various items between January 2021 to January 2022, show that the prices of food items increased by 7% and prices of energy by 27% in just one year. So, for example, the prices of used vehicles jumped by 40.5% in one year, gas prices by 40%, meats, poultry, fish and eggs by 12.2%, electricity by 10.7%. The wages have not kept up with the inflation. When we say that the U.S. wages rose by 5.7% in January, while prices increased by 7.5%, it actually means that the wages fell on average by 1.8%. So the adverse impact of inflation is hurting American families and small businesses. We realize that the Fed wants to remedy the problem, which it created in the first place by pumping too much money into the economy by raising interest rates, which, based on historical evidence, leads to recession. Uh, Governor Bryan, what are your thoughts about these challenging times that we are facing in America today? Well, Natasha, you know the Democratic Party, particularly Joe Biden as a candidate, loves to talk about the Americans at their dining table. He loves to say, those of you that are sitting around the kitchen table tonight, I'm talking to you. Well, he needs to talk to them because they're paying more for that food that's going on their dining room table. They're paying more for the gasoline 
that helped get them to and from work so they could buy the overpriced meat product that they're trying to enjoy as an American family. Uh, they're paying more for the electricity to keep the lights on. And, and this is a real issue. This is not nibbling around the edges. This is not something that's a bit uncomfortable. It may be uncomfortable just a small bit uh, to Joe Biden, who's a millionaire, multimillionaire. Somehow he's been in public service all his life, and he's a multimillionaire. He loves to show off his antique sports cars. Uh, I'm not offended by that, but I just often wonder where he got the money to buy it. But uh, as he talks to those at mm-hmm. the kitchen table, he needs to realize they're hurting. I just filled up my pickup truck just a short time ago this morning, $85. And, and I, was, I, I was at about a quarter of a tank. So if you look at that F-150, uh, it's a 2016 model. So you, you would probably near, be near $100 to put gasoline, to fill your tank up, put gasoline in your truck. So think about those people who are driving 40 and 50 miles to work. Mm-hmm. So if, if you look in my state, uh, with the Nissan plant in Kent, Mississippi, there are many people that drive from two or three counties away. So they drive 100 miles round trip to work at the Nissan plant. And now they've got to go home to their wife and their two or three children and say, we've got to cut something out because I can't afford to get to work. And my wages are down looking at, uh, at inflation. They certainly are down by two, nearly 2%. And inflation is everywhere. It's everywhere that you go. If you look at the grocery store, I heard this morning, Walmart's the largest grocer in America now by far. And, and many of the shelves are empty. Many of the products are not even there. So if you want to and you have the, uh, the funds to be able to go and buy certain products for your family, you might not be able to find them. I cannot remember, and, and, and look, I've been around a long time. I can't remember a time in America, even in the 1970s, under the Carter administration, when you couldn't find products uh, on the grocery store shelves. Now, everyone blames COVID. Oh, it's COVID, it's COVID, it's all of those reasons. We're, we're in the backside of that pandemic. Uh, the liberals are trying to hold on to it so that they can do as Canada is doing right now, um, use, a, use it as a dictatorship, basically, to say you will follow our rules or we'll have you jailed, we'll imprison you, as dictators love to do. So they're holding on to this pandemic because they want to hold on to power. But this inflation is real. It's going to get worse, as we saw the Fed saying we're going to have to raise interest rates, as if that only affects Wall Street. Now, it causes uncertainty in Wall Street, which we know is the enemy, the enemy of investment, the enemy of purchasing stocks and bonds and investing. And I'm at the age where many of us, most of us uh, at our age now, we have investments in the stock market. There may be low risk events, but we are investing our Social Security, our retirement, my retirement, all my state retirement, all in the stock market. So when it begins to uh, when it begins to have that jittery effect. When you see spikes and not just loops and valleys, when uh, you, you, you notice something is desperately wrong. So the craters are beginning to appear in the foundations of Wall Street. Fed said it may raise interest rates more than once, maybe multiple times. That hasn't happened since the 1980s uh, that we've talked about multiple interest rates. So think about if you're a family and you have a, a credit card. And many young people do things that I wish they wouldn't do, but they use their credit card. They may have ten or twelve thousand dollars worth of debt on their credit card, and they pay a monthly 
payment, maybe the minimal payment, and, and they just keep that debt on that credit card. Now interest rates are going up. And if you look at small print and many of those credit cards, it says if that does happen, your interest rates will go up. Interest rates on homes. So I remember when we bought our first home in 1976, we got a 21% interest rate. Wow. 21%. And and so see what happens then when you start trying to buy a home and interest rates are going up. You pay more on your credit cards. The furnishing, the timber, the uh, the products that you use to build that home are going up 30, 25, 30%. It is going to be historic uh, in the recession that we will see. And I would predict soon, uh, maybe by late summer, you'll see a full-blown recession in this country. Yeah, that's unfortunate uh, because looking at other data and also interest rates are going to raise the debt because the interest rates of U.S. public debt will be higher. And for the first time, uh, the U.S. debt surpassed the figure of $30 trillion, which is $90,000 per citizen and $240,000 per taxpayer. Since the pandemic started, the U.S. total public debt increased by $7 trillion. Mm. And U.S. Mm. federal budget deficit surpassed $3 trillion. Uh, Governor Bryan, what are your thoughts about the push by legislators in Washington to increase tax rates, including repealing the Trump tax cuts, and push for more government spending in the current situation when taxpayers are already pushed in higher brackets because of inflation they do not need additional tax hikes. No, uh, I, when I was governor and lieutenant governor over uh, a decade, uh, we cut taxes in Mississippi 52 times. This year, we will have a billion dollars more, a billion dollars more income than we did in 2018. Uh, a billion and a $6 billion, what was a $6 billion budget, when I left office in 2019 is now a seven. $2 billion budget. And we cut taxes 52 times. The more you reduce taxes, the more people invest, the more people can go to work, the more things they can buy. So, uh, so if you increase the taxes, whatever you tax, you get less up. It is, and, and I believe there is some truth to this, as if the Biden administration, Democrats in leadership, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, are trying as best they can to collapse the economy to totally collapse it, to send us into a recession. So what happens if that happens? Well, they get more power. Before you know it, you can only buy gasoline on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They control your entire movement. They start telling you, well, maybe it'd be better if you only drove 55 miles an hour. Y'all remember those days. And so then they tell you these are certain products that you can and can't buy. Maybe we get stamps to buy meat. And Natasha, you probably remember some of those in Eastern Europe where you carry your coupon book in and you get one day's ration of meat. But when that happens, who's powerful? Not the people, the politicians, because they can determine your health care, your food, your travel, uh, your energy. All of that's under their control. And they do so and say, we are in desperate times. We are in a recession and people are hurting. So therefore, we must use these powers that we have to take more control. So are they trying to collapse the economy? I think this is the question of the times. Is the Democratic Party trying to have hyperinflation, raising interest rates, raising taxes, taking more 
of your hard-earned working dollar that you're making less of based on 2% growth of, uh, of inflation, are they doing this for a purpose? Uh, and if they are, the, the American people need to uh, be aware of what really triggers this recession and realize that every step that the Democrats are taking are walking us towards that edge. Governor Bright, on America's Roundtable, we have given great attention to the national security crisis at our southern border. And we've appreciated your important leadership over the years. Uh, We recall the summit that was at the White House, organized and hosted by President Donald Trump. You were there right at the table, talking about the importance of strengthening our security efforts and making sure that we have safety and security at the borders. This past year, we've been hearing about the data, statistics, U.S. officials at the southern border came across nearly 2 million illegal immigrants in fiscal year 2021. Now, Jackson, Mississippi's population is around 170,000. And in Grand Rapids, Michigan, it's around 200,000. So what we're dealing with today is nearly 2 million immigrants crossing our southern border. And it is certainly a national security crisis. And on top of that, a major humanitarian crisis. I'd just like to briefly quote something that the Wall Street Journal's Jason Riley stated, and I quote, Mr. Biden's overall job approval rating is in the low 40s. That's worrying enough for Democrats, but Americans think even less of how the president is handling immigration, with only 36% of respondents voicing satisfaction in a recent CBS News poll. And what they've seen over the past year, in addition to White House indifference, is record levels of illicit border crossings, overflowing detention centers, and more recently, video footage of illegal immigrants being ferried in the dead of night from the southern border to Mm. New York, Florida, and other parts of the country, unquote. And I'd like to just also share one statement that was in the New York Post. I quote, Hidalgo County, Texas Sheriff Guerra, who operates on the front lines of the border war, explained that he's not worried drugs will affect his community. He said the drugs go further north, unquote. Governor Bryant, are states and cities helpless in addressing this important effort to safeguard local communities and individual citizens? And what is your message to leaders across America as we all face this significant problem? And what are the principal solutions uh, that must be advanced? Well, first, we have to realize this is deliberate on the part of the Biden administration. So as I see my friends in the media, some that are the moderate to conservative or actually provide the truth in reporting. Uh, We'll talk about the horrors that are occurring. Uh, The people who are trying to make their way with their families across South America, the child sexual uh, molestation and rape that occurs along the way, the horrors. We see three-year-olds being dropped over fences. There's no telling how many die on the trip. I was in Laredo in 2018. Unlike the president, I've been to the border. I was on horseback with a border patrol as we rode along those uh, the riverbanks in Laredo. I was in the boats. I was in helicopters that night as we were actually apprehending those that were coming across. So I have seen, I listened to the border patrol talking about what struggle it was then. And that was during uh, the Trump administration as we were trying to build a wall. So uh, they were doing a remarkable job under difficult circumstances then, but we were working with Mexico to make sure they were being held in Mexico until there was some vetting process being done. 
uh, Joel, you know, uh, of the 2 million, perhaps 3 million, it's really impossible for us to determine, but it maybe as many as 3 million people in the, in the past year uh, have illegally entered this country through our southern borders. With everything Homeland Security has done, many of them are being told to stand down. Many of them are simply apprehending families that will be then put onto buses or onto airplanes and flown throughout the United States. So 3 million people have been deliberately brought in, encouraged to be brought in by the Biden administration. Now, why would they do this? Because they're importing votes. They believe that a large percentage of these individuals be able to vote. They will then get mm. uh, some governors in blue states and mayors and others to say, any, as the mayor of New York said, we're going to allow illegal immigrants, anyone here to vote. So you just imported 3 million voters. How many more can they get in between now and November? And how many more can they get in between now and the next presidential election? If they can get 6 million, then they believe that they've got the numbers to be able with, uh, with without looking at voter registration, without having a photo ID, with mail-in ballots. They believe they have enough to really tilt scales in favor of the Democrat. So any idea that we have of how horrible this is will have no effect on the Democratic Party. There is no amount of human tragedy and horror that would change their mind. I, I'm absolutely convinced of that. If so, they would they would begin to end this process immediately. So in the dead of night, with the help in some cases of Catholic charities, they are putting these families, these individuals, uh, into buses and, and on airplanes and distributing them, dropping them off, if you will, probably to another coyote perhaps to drug dealers, perhaps to people who are going to traffic the, uh, the young boys and girls of those families. They don't care. They, they, they could care less what happens to those children. Mainstream media is going to cover for them all that they can. I Just the other day, there was a child rapist that was caught, I believe, in California. And I think Fox News was the only news outlet that reported uh, this. There's been fentanyl. Uh, hundreds of pounds of fentanyl coming across that sufficient amount to be lethal to the entire United States. So they're bringing enough drugs across to kill every man, woman, and child. This is almost biblical in proportion. That's right. To kill every human being in the United States, and the Democrats shrug their shoulders. No, no, they don't. I'm sorry. They talk about handing out free crack pipes. So that you can smoke your fentanyl or marijuana laced with fentanyl. I just read about a 16-year-old child today um, that was smoking marijuana, as many 16-year-old children in America are doing, and it was laced with fentanyl. And, and I'm not sure he was able to survive that. He was in a tragic situation. And, and, and multiply that time, thousands of kids who are thinking, I may try this marijuana and find out that it's laced with fentanyl that came across that border. And, and cocaine hundreds of thousands of pounds of cocaine being delivered every day. So we might as well give up. Now we keep talking to the American people and hopefully they will know some that are just busy with their schedules. Everybody's got to get the kids to soccer practice while this country is being invaded. Uh, drug dealers, coyotes, all uh, organized crime uh, are there on the border. And, and, and as last I heard, there were nearly 60 different nationalities that come across that border. When I was there, uh, the Border Patrol told me that a Chinese national coming across that border would have to pay coyotes $30,000. So with $30,000, 
Chinese nationals could come there and cross that border and then be melted into uh, the United States. This is, and this would be a science fiction movie if it wasn't a reality. But it, it is sad, the state of affairs, it will not stop until the midterms. And it will not stop then unless Republicans have the courage to stand and fight. If they get there in the midterms and say, well, why can't we all get along? Let's just work with Democrats. Uh, we will no, be no better off than we are today. They must have the courage uh, to make changes there and secure that border. Right. And also changes are needed in the foreign policy, Governor Bryant, uh, from peace through strength. During Trump administration, we are moving to war through weakness with the Biden administration. Uh, the Biden administration weakness in foreign policy is hurting America's interests in the Middle East, Afghanistan, with China and mm. Iran, which is proclaimed by the U.S. State Department as state sponsor of terrorism. Now, when we look at the current situation with Russia and Ukraine, there is a long history of first creating ethnic tensions in order to weaponize them. And the Balkans okay. is one of the regions where this always worked in order to start a conflict or a war. So instead of focusing on economy and increased standard of living of its citizens, authoritarian leaders and corrupt networks, including mafia states, focus on distraction, creating ethnic tensions in order to amass illicit wealth and continue their business as usual. And again, when we look at the current Russia-Ukraine crisis, we also have to take into account the West, which is complicit, since Germany depends on Russia's gas. Some 50% of gas supplies to Germany are coming from Russia, and 30% of the EU gas imports are coming from Russia. And on the other side, Russia's, Russia's tycoons are massively raising and investing money in the UK. Uh, Governor Bryan, when you look at all this kind of stakeholder analysis and what is going on with current Russia-Ukraine crisis and NATO involvement at this stage, what are your thoughts about the current situation? Well, well, Putin has done this before. He's a master at it. He's a former KGB. We all know that. So what he is doing is moving into the Ukraine. Uh, they've annexed Crimea. So he knows he now owns that on, uh, on the Black Sea. So uh, ports have always been important to the Russians. They need that water. They need to put those ships and submarines in if they're going to be a world power. Now, Putin wants to be a world power. He's already made friends with, uh, with Chairman Xi. So China and Russia now are working together. They're monitoring what's going on in the Olympics. So how long is that going to last? Because Russia doesn't want to move in while she's having his big show that we're paying for uh, in China. All of our ad advertisers and American companies are paying for Xi's big show of China. It reminds me of when Adolf Hitler put his, uh, his remarkable show on, I think, in 1936 at the Olympics. And so it, it, we are depending on what's happening at a sporting event and the weather as to how soon Russia will move in uh, and take over that portion of the world. It's frozen just now, so he can move in tanks, he can move in heavy artillery. Uh, another month from now, it'll start turning to mud. So you can imagine what uh, he will be willing to do before that warming trend comes in. If he needs to move in, he probably won't need to, because we've already said America is not going to get involved in this. We're not going to send American troops at it. We're not going to do anything. We're going to send a strongly worded letter to Putin if he does. And what he will do is move in and probably to eastern Ukraine 
and say, okay, I did this because they asked me to. There was, there was unrest there. There was rioting. These are Russian people anyway that had been taken by Europe. And so we're just freeing them. He will put his puppets on television to, to hold out flowers to the Russian soldiers. We've seen this movie before. And then he will say, okay, I own part of Europe. What will you give me to leave? See, he really doesn't need that portion uh, of the Ukraine. He doesn't need eastern Ukraine. He, he's got Crimea down here. He needs those ports. He's got that. But what he does have now is a hostage. He's got a lot of hostages. And when you do that, you turn to NATO, you turn to a weak American government and say, here are the things that I want, which upon the Biden administration will behind closed doors say, take whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It, it, wherever you want us to remove our missiles, whatever research programs you want us to stop doing, how much money do you want us to, you want us to send you a trillion dollars? Okay, it'll be in the dead of night on an airplane. We'll fly it into you and you can have that. He, he, he knows once he does that, the West will pay anything. And then the Biden administration will say, we were able to remove the Russians from Ukraine. We, a year from now, they will say, we are right about election time, maybe. They'll say, we were successful in removing Russia from Ukraine. They won't tell you what they did. They won't tell you how much ransom they had to pay. But it's a brilliant move on a treacherous leader and former KGB agent, uh, Putin. But he, he is really, he's been given uh, a, an opening, welcoming invitation to move in. I think there'll be some effort to try to defend that country. It won't last long over the might of the Russian military. Uh, but America will simply do nothing. I can't imagine NATO would do anything. Germany's dependent upon the natural gas and fuel coming from Russia, a plan approved by Joe Biden. We are at a point in this country where there is not only lack of leadership. I, I would feel comfortable if it was total. But the leadership decisions that are being made by this president, this administration are damaging beyond repair. Two more years uh, of the Biden administration unchecked and we will we will never it will take us 100 years to be able to restore the greatness, the power, the influence, the freedom, the liberty that this nation has been built upon. You've said it so right about the importance of peace through strength. Uh, something that President Ronald Reagan and then later on President Donald Trump really advanced. And we saw that difference that took place on the world stage. When President Reagan or President Trump said something, the rest of the world took notice. Uh, indeed, as you've correctly and rightfully mentioned, Governor Bryant, it is so important for Americans to be engaged in the public policy process, to be engaged with members of Congress, uh, state legislators. We all have a responsibility. We cannot be sitting on the fences. And as you've rightfully mentioned, too, it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of our day that to forget the importance of saving our republic. That's right. And you think about our friends in Jerusalem. How would you like to be sitting there knowing in, in anywhere in Israel that uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem would be the targets to know as soon as Iran develops that nuclear weapon and they're very, very close and we're encouraging, we're probably assisting in that and they get a propulsion system that can get that or simply drive it and walk it into Jerusalem. They will do so. I mean, there's no doubt. Each day they say, as soon as we can, we're going to destroy the Jewish nation. 
and so they, they don't make any, any secret of wanting to do that. So you have Russia, you have China. China will probably move into Taiwan before the end of the year. Again, they're waiting just for the right time. No one's going to oppose them. Now, I've been to Taiwan. The Taiwanese will, uh, they will resist. And there will be a great deal of bloodshed. Uh, I just truly believe I met with the president of Taiwan when I was there. I saw their military forces. Uh, they are prepared. They, they cannot sustain uh, against China for long. But there, there will be a, a holocaustic war that takes place in Taiwan. Uh, and we will do nothing. We will simply sit by again and have our, our State Department will have press conferences. We will uh, we will say we're going to have there will be sanctions against China. These things, nothing will happen. And by the end of the year, Russia will be again in Eastern Europe. Perhaps, perhaps he will move throughout the country. And you and Ukraine is about as large as from Paris to uh, the eastern side of Germany, if you overlaid it on Europe. It's a large country, and I'm not sure Putin wants to try to occupy it. He just only needs certain portions of it, but he'll get those. And and then Taiwan will be under the control of the communist uh, dictatorship in China. Israel uh, will be under attack, more than likely. I mean, they are every day now. And so look at what the world would then become. It is devastating uh, to think that, that each and every one of those as you talk to military experts, as I have around the country and now and in times past, they will tell you, yes, that's a very good possibility that each one of those could occur and they could occur all at one time. And the, uh, the Russians will have a hand in the Iranian attack. They will, they're already there, advisors working with Iran, uh, perhaps China as well. So somehow we must make people understand the difficult times that we face ahead. Governor Bride, what is the next step and where is America going now? Well, I think America has always been strong because of Americans. Uh, the individual liberty and self-determination of Americans have always brought us out of this. If you think about World War II, my father was a 17-year-old CB when he went off to war, and, and as did many of our fathers and our grandfathers. And there we were, a world being taken over by tyranny with the Axis power. And it was America with God's help. I think we need to turn to prayer. I think we need to realize that God's hand is always in the affairs of man. But individually, that hope, that spirit that burns within each of us must again again become the light of the world. And America's got to be that shining city on a hill. Thank Amen you so to much that, for Governor these encouraging Bryant. words. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we're joined by Governor Phil Bryant. We truly appreciate your strong voice and your principal messages, Governor Bryant. And thank you so much for your continued leadership in advancing our constitutional principles. Thank you, Governor Bryant. Thank you both. It's wonderful to see you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest hosts and presenters, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, 
Amazon, Spotify, Google and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.